Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan, and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the App Store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Well, good morning, church. So I make those guys do the announcements so I don't have to say any weird words and look ridiculous saying them. So, you know, we leave that up to uh, Pastor Alex, and, uh, and I guess he had a little laugh on his own expense up there as well. Uh, any of you get blown away yesterday? Man, I was crazy yesterday, huh? And uh, I have to tell you, I, I want to say how proud I am of the church and the way that all of you are helping to reach out. And so, you know, we have a couple of announcements we need to make this morning. And uh, one is we are going to do an offering right now. And uh, so we're going to have hopefully our ushers come forward. And um, what the offering is going to be is we're doing a $5 offering. And that $5 offering, uh, we are using that money today to uh, bless our community. So we're doing a, uh, and if you're not prepared to give, don't worry about it. We don't want you to feel obligated. If you're able to give more and you want to, that's fine as well. But the money that you're giving right now is specifically going to feed people for Thanksgiving this year. And uh, last year, I think we made close to, or I think we made over 2,000 meals last year. And I imagine that it's going to be the same thing today. So if the ushers come forward, we'll go ahead and do that. And I'm going to go ahead and make some other announcements why that's going on as well, if that's okay with you, all right? But let me pray for that offering as we're doing this. Father God, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us, the little that we give right now. We pray that you would multiply it so we can bless the families of those who are in desperate need this year who may not be able to have a Thanksgiving meal. Help us to be able to provide that in such a warm and loving way. In your name we pray. Amen. So we'll keep taking that offering at this time. Oh, I think I have mine somewhere too. Oh, you're sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, the other thing I want to let you know about the Thanksgiving meal is we do have signups out there if you want to help that day, if some of you can help get some of the food ready. Maybe some of you want to um, help drive that food to different places or want to help out with the pickup or even help out with the cleanup. It's a big, long sort of event that we have going on, but it's a great time to get together with other people in the church and get to know them and just have some fun, uh, you know, helping out the community. So we're going to ask that you would help out with that. We also talked about the Christmas in the park that we're doing as well. Um, so, you know, the signups and stuff are for that. So, you know, make sure uh, uh, you get on that. Uh, also, a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Pastor Wayne, who's been doing some classes for us. Uh, he was talking about an Israel trip. If any of you are interested in going to Israel, Please stop out at that table today and see him. I know that they would love to talk to you about it. And uh, so, you know, and, and from everything I've, I've read and heard, man, it is a fantastic trip. So if you've ever been interested in going, this is your way to, uh, to get there and, and do that. So uh, the other thing is that uh, we are today looking at Daniel chapter 6, um, verses 6 through 10. And I have to tell you, yesterday um, I got to be a part of um, helping out with the River Valley Middle School musical. And what happened is the lady that was in charge of this event early on after she was getting ready to do this, her husband became uh, sick and she couldn't help. Uh, she couldn't get all the work done she needed to. So there were several people, I guess, that really came around her, helped. And I have to tell you, what was really cool was afterwards, most of them were from Dayspring. And I just thought that that was really cool. And so I got asked to help out a little bit with the sound, which was great until I had to... Um, Helped the kids with their mics on their backs, and um, they were sweaty. And uh, they are middle schoolers, and I don't know, they figured out the whole hygiene thing sometimes. Not that any of you that are here were smelly, but woo, it was bad. You know, it was one of those things where you're smelling yourself to make sure it's not you, 
and, you know, it's them, you know. Uh, so, anyway, but we had a great time with that, and uh, uh, so I want to thank those in our church who really stepped up and helped out that. And I know that there are so many different ways that so many of you are not only helping out the church, but you're helping out in your communities, in your school, and I think that's just great. You know, we, we need the people of God to be in these different places doing the work. So today, we're looking at uh, Daniel chapter 6, uh, verses, oh, the other big announcement, sorry, ready to pay attention? Uh, we are starting choir tonight at 4. Again, if you can sing... Be there. Uh, if you can kind of sing, be there. If you can't sing, be there. Just fake it, okay? Just don't sing really loud. But uh, we'd love to have a group of people do that. We're working on the Christmas Eve service is what we're doing. Uh, and then hopefully we'll start adding choir more back to things as we're going along, okay? Okay, now we can get into the, the reason why we're here. We're looking at Daniel chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 today. Uh, my kids, uh, they had me play this game from time to time. I guess it's called Concentration. And I don't know how everybody else plays it, but I, I think basically like we would sit down and I think we have, to, we have to slap our legs twice and we have to clap our hands twice and then we have to snap, snap. And while we're snapping, we have to say our name and then somebody else's name. And then if that's you, you keep this sort of rhythm going. Chuck, Rachel. Okay. You ready, Elise? All right. So we would do that game. She actually participated, which is good. I didn't think she would. But anyways, I am terrible at this game, okay? And one of the reasons is I, I have no rhythm in me whatsoever, okay? Like if I'm, I remember being in show choir in high school, and uh, I think I was there for looks more than anything because uh, I, <laughs> I couldn't do choreography at all. And uh, and I think it's because in the church I grew up in, which is here, we, we weren't allowed to dance at the time. So I, I had no rhythm. And, and when we were singing and stuff, I would just sort of look at the person in front of me and try to mimic what they were doing. Here's the problem. I'm short. So guess where short guys get to go when you're singing? They get to go in the front. And so there's no one to look at, you know. So I'm trying to do this and this. And I mean, it is just awful, you know. I, I love music and stuff, but man, I'm telling you. And the worst things always happen to me in music. Uh, you guys know the musical, it's called The King and I? Some of you know that. Um, well, they have this thing where they, they, they have this lady who's American. She comes to this other country, and she's singing, and she's dancing. And there's a part where she dances with little kids. And since I was small, I got to be one of the little kids. And so I'm dancing along with the main person. And they had put us in these, I don't know, I don't know if they were Siamese outfits or something, but this weren't natural. And they... Um, I was dancing and doing my thing, um, my thing fell off. <laughs> and it was embarrassing, you know, and I just kept dancing and stuff. And I mean, it, you know, so those things sort of happen to me when I get involved in things that are rhythmic in some form. Last week we talked about, like, we have a certain rhythm or a certain flow in life. But when pressure comes, what we said is that's the resistance to flow. In other words, there are certain pressures or certain obstacles that come in our life that sort of mess up the way we normally do things. But rhythm is part of who we are. It's, it's part of what we do. I mean, you think about what, um, what is involved in rhythm, and um, I would say this. Most of us, whether we like it or not, because some of us will say, well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm sort of rhythmically challenged like you are, but a lot of us have certain rhythms in life that we perform. I mean, think about the way you eat. It, you probably sort of eat, you probably hold the fork the same way, you probably do things the same way, and if you don't have your fork at home, it bothers you because you want that fork, that's the way you used to eat. My mom, I didn't know this for the longest time, but she, I found out, did the weirdest thing. 
and maybe this is what some of you do, but when she eats, she tries to get on her fork a little bit of each piece of food on her fork. I tend to eat like one thing at a time. That's sort of my rhythm, but her rhythm is to take each and every little individual thing. That's sort of a rhythm. Um, if you thought about it, and I don't want you to think too hard about this, uh, but when you take a shower, there are certain rhythms that you do. You probably wash the same way every time. You start with the same body parts every time. And matter of fact, if, you're, if your hand gets hurt or something and you can't do the things that you want or you can't wash the bar, it's, it messes you up. It messes up your flow. It messes up your rhythm in some way. You probably have a rhythm to the way you brush your teeth. All right? And some of you are going to go home and think about this now. It's going to really mess you up, you know? But you, you have this sort of rhythm to it. And then all of a sudden, if there's a sore in your mouth and you're like, okay, I can't get that, it really messes up the rhythm and flow to what you're doing. So there are all sorts of things that, that sort of rhythmically we have. And by the way, the way you breathe, there's a certain rhythm to that, right? And if that rhythm gets challenged, I mean, you feel sort of that extra pressure. So for example, if I walk up a bunch of stairs at the end, I'm like... <sighs> That's not my normal rhythm, okay? And so it sort of messes you up because there is a rhythm and there's a reason to why you do things. And rhythms are great and we need them because they make us feel very comfortable in what we do. By the way, if you watch Ohio State game, which I haven't yet, I've taped it, but all I heard about was how bad it was and uh, how frustrated people were. But then I was thinking about it and I realized they said that, that the quarterback, and I don't know which team it was, threw a ball once and it just sort of stopped in midair almost because the wind was so tough. Well, guess what? It broke Ohio State out of their rhythm, out of their flow because it made them sort of a one-dimensional team. They could no longer throw the ball. They just had to run the ball and then the other team could sort of stack up the stuff, you know, against it. And so it broke up their rhythm or flow. But rhythms are good because rhythms are what we're comfortable with. It's where we get to. Matter of fact, some of you today already got messed up in your rhythm. And the reason why is because you got an hour extra sleep, supposedly. You know, but it sort of messed up your flow. And some of you got up and forgot there was an hour change and probably got ready for church and realized, oh man, some of you are probably supposed to be at the 11 o'clock service, but are here because you got, you got out of your flow. All right? Now, some of you, and by the way, I love this because there is a rhythm and stuff that you expect in church. And when that gets broken up, it sort of messes you up. Matter of fact, if you come in, most of you always sit in the same place, right? And if somebody is sitting in your space, oh man, it messes you up. You're like, what do we do? We're going to have to sit somewhere else. I don't know if I can handle this. You know, like it really messes you up. So we're comfortable with sort of those rhythms and flows in life. One of the things I want to challenge us today is this. And as we're going over sort of the passages that we've been discovering about being emotionally healthy is this. I want to make sure that you and I have a certain rhythm to the way that we live with God. I want to make sure that there's a certain flow in our lives where we say, God, I want to make sure that you are part of my rhythm. You are part of my flow. I want to make sure that every day I am spending a certain amount of time with you to let you know that you are important for the way things go. I have to tell you, when you get into that rhythm, man, it is helpful. And when things kind of come in and they mess up your rhythm, it's very distracting. So today I want us to look at a man in the Bible by the name of Daniel. Daniel and his friends have been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar at the time. Some of you know his friends. They're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were the three that got thrown into the fiery furnace. And uh, God saved them through that. And it's a tremendous story, which we're, we're not getting into today. But Daniel and these three friends were taken captive of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. 
Nebuchadnezzar, man, he was a pretty smart king in that he would look over the best of what they had. He would look for the, 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 for the most handsome. He would look for the most intelligent. He would look for the most fit. And he would take these individuals and he would make them sort of like people that he could rely on, people that he would get wisdom from, and they became part of his court. And so that anytime he needed special things answered, he would go to these men, believing that they could give him the answers and give him the wisdom that he needed. And Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were a part of this group. Today we're going to read a story, though, of how Daniel had a certain amount of rhythms in his life, but that those rhythms were attacked because of who they knew Daniel was. So let's read together from uh, Daniel chapter uh, 6. We're looking at verses 6 through 10. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, My king Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, um, prefects, satraps, um, I should have brought my glasses out, advisors and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being uh, during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the word and I thank you for the power that there is in it. And I know, Father, that today as we probably examine our lives, and I know that this message isn't maybe necessarily as hard as some of the others that we've had in recent weeks. But today I pray that our focus would be, okay, what can we do to make sure God is part of our normal rhythm, part of our daily routine in life? so that we're getting everything we can from you and letting you know that we love you. Father, I pray today that if there's anything that I would mess up in your word, Father, that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only voice they hear today from is you. In your name we pray. Amen. So Daniel had this daily rhythm with God. And we look at this passage and we see the three times a day that he prayed. But if you really get into his life, you'll realize that, that Daniel had already started a certain rhythm in his life beforehand. And one of these things that he started out with the rhythm of God is this, and I think it's in Daniel 1.8, but he says, and I want, to, I want to give you this clarification, Daniel made sure that he ate right. So in verse 8 of Daniel 1, it says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to, de- to not defile himself this way. You see, what was happening is when these people were taken in, all these great you know, people that could help him with wisdom, When they were taken in, the king said, you're going to eat the best of my food. And the best of his food was some of the food that had been sacrificed to idols. And some of the wine was some of the king's wine. It was the best wine. And Daniel said this, look, I don't want to defile myself with that stuff. Now, the chief official at the time said, man, if you don't eat this stuff, the king's going to get upset with me because if you start looking worse than the others, it's going to be a problem. And then Daniel said, let's do a test for a certain amount of period of days. And at the end of that time, let's see who does better. Let's see who looks better. Let's see who's healthier. And so the chief official said, okay, let's have it your way. And so it says that Daniel began to eat some of the vegetables and he began to drink some of the water. And he didn't have any of that stuff that was sacrificed to idols. And he didn't have any of that wine. And as a result, at the end of the period, what they found is this. 
that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all looked healthier, they all had better wisdom, and they all presented themselves a lot better. The chief official said, let's get rid of all the king stuff then, and let's have them eat everything that they are. Now listen, we can get into this stuff because what you understand about Daniel is Daniel was following sort of Old Testament sort of rituals and how you ate and, and what you drank. And Daniel was making sure that he ate the right things. Now, you have to remember Old Testament had you can only eat certain kinds of meats, only drink certain kind of drinks. And one of the reasons was because at that period of time, certain animals would produce a little bit more diseases and they couldn't get rid of it like we can today. And so that's why we don't live sort of underneath that old covenant anymore. But they made sure that they did the things that were right. And in eating right, Daniel was able to respond better. And church, I have to tell you, like, if we're really being honest with ourselves, we have to know and understand that the things we eat and the way that we sleep and the way that we work all affects how we comprehend things. I've told you on more than one occasion, if I don't get enough sleep, I become very grumpy. So it's not a great time to ask me a lot of questions. And my kids will tell you that for sure. But about 9 o'clock, man, it's not good because I need my rest. I don't do well. I've also found that when I don't eat well, I find that it affects my body. Now, listen, some of you say, well, I don't know that that's true with me. Listen, how many of you know that if your kids eat certain things, like they're bouncing off the walls, right? And you know that if they eat certain things before bed, that they're not sleeping. And you know that if they don't get enough sleep, you're going to pay for it the next day, right? Because they are grumpy. They can't wait to tell you how much they hate you. You know, they can't wait to just start fights on all occasions, you know? Like, that sort of stuff just happens. Now, listen, if that can happen for kids, what makes you think that that can't happen to you as well? And so one of the things that we need to do right is make sure that we eat well, that we sleep well, that we exercise well, because it does affect our mindset. I think it's interesting in the Bible, if you ever read the story of Elijah, and you remember Elijah is the one that challenged the, um, the gods of Baal, and that when they challenged him, you remember that God sent fire down from heaven and that it destroyed, it, it, like it consumed all Elijah's stuff. But when they were, when the bells, when, when the, the priests of Baal, when they were praying, nothing happened. And at the end of that, what happened is um, Jezebel said, I'm coming after you, Elijah. And Elijah got afraid. He got scared. He just seen this big victory. And it says even that he really wanted to die at that time. And so what does God do for him? He has him eat some bread and water, and then he puts him to sleep. And then he wakes him up. He feeds him again some bread and some water, which are healthy, and then he puts him back to sleep. Why? Because Elijah wasn't in the right mindset. He was tired. He was exhausted. He had just done doing this big miracle, and now he was afraid and scared. And God had to get his attention again. But God couldn't get his attention until he got him in the right place. And then we read later that he went on a journey, and in a cave, he heard the gentle whisper, the gentle voice of God. And church, if we do the right things, if we get the right amount of rest, if we spend the right amount of time with God, then we too can begin to hear the voice and the will of God. Secondly is this, in Daniel's life and his rhythm, what we'll find is this, is in verse 10 it says that he prayed three times a day. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. And I love this because it was part of his routine to pray three times a day. 
Three times a day. And my guess would be it was probably a morning, it was probably a noontime, and it was probably before he went to bed. But he would sit before the window and he would pray towards Jerusalem because that was significant for them as a place of, of worship. He would pray towards Jerusalem, and this is what I love. It says that he gave thanks. And church, what a way to go to prayer, isn't it? You know, we're living in a world that we get so sort of uh, putting things down. We get so negative about things. And what prayer it says for, for Daniel, it called him three times a day to just give thanks. What would that be like for us if we just started our routine by giving thanks? I mean, I wonder what would happen even in our homes if when some of us get home from a, from a long day. What if we just started giving thanks or giving blessings or just noticing sort of the good things that are going on. You know, have you ever come home, and some of you have probably, probably experienced this, but it's almost like you're afraid to go home because you're afraid, oh man, what did the kids do? What's, what's going on here? What am I going to get in trouble for today? And it sort of becomes almost this negative environment to come into. What if our practice and our rhythm was to say, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit more positive today. I'm going to find out some things to be thankful for. I'm going to tell my wife how beautiful she is. I'm going to tell her that I want, I want to thank you for, for, for uh, the way you're helping with the kids or, or the meals you prepared or uh, for working the extra hours to make sure that we have this income. You know, what if we started looking at the more positive things? And what if when we went to prayer, we started looking at the more positive things in our relationship with God? Like, God, I want to thank you. Thank you for giving me freedom today. Thank you for this weather that we're experiencing. Thank you that I have enough to provide for my family today. Thank you that we're able to eat. Thank you that we're able to breathe. And what if it just became this attitude of thanksgiving that was part of our rhythm and our daily lives? There was a song or a hymn, and it's a chorus that I remember singing um, when I was young. And it's, a, uh, it's by this couple called the Sykes, and they wrote this, I don't know, in the 1930s or 40s somewhere. Uh, but it's simply this. Thank you, Lord. For saving my soul, thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. You know, that was a rhythm that I had growing up. And maybe I didn't realize the words at the time. But to be able to experience them with God and say, God, thank you. Thank you, if anything else, for salvation. Thank you for knowing that at the end of this tough life that I get to experience glory with you up in heaven. Lord, thank you for your great salvation, which is so rich, it's so full, and yet it's offered to us so free. Thank you, Lord. The question then becomes to this, is what is your daily rhythm? Like, for some of you, might look, well, maybe I need to eat right. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I do need to th pray three times a day. That's not what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying is for each and every one of us, we need to find a daily rhythm that works for us. I asked the staff this week, I said, what's your daily rhythm with God? And guess what? Every one of them is different. When they pray, when they read their Bible is all different. Some people said, you know, I take this amount of time and I pray every morning. I said, I don't take a specific time to pray. I do, I have a morning little prayer, but what I do is I pray with what we call without ceasing. I pray when things happen, when things are going on. I want to be in constant communication with God. 
When I do my devotions, it's in the morning. I read one chapter, that's it. Some of you are like, man, I read like, good. You're more spiritual, I get it, you know? But this is what works for me. I read one chapter, try to make sure I get something out of it. And by the way, it's very difficult when you get into some of the um, crazy Bible stories and stuff, you know, when you get into some of the numbers and you have to go through them, it, it gets a little bit challenging. But I read one chapter a day and in the morning. And the reason I read it in the morning is because if I read it at night, I'm falling asleep. And so that doesn't work for my rhythm. But some of you are night owls. You stay up crazy hours. So for some of you, it works to read at night. Some of you, it works to read during your lunchtime. You get in Bible studies. You get with groups because that makes more sense to you. That helps you. Like that's sort of your operation. That's sort of your rhythm. I don't know what that rhythm is. My challenge to you is this, is to figure out a rhythm with God where you say, at least for this amount of time, I'm going to read at least this. I'm going to pray at least this. This is what I'm going to do. And I want to tell you some things that I think that we need to think about. First of all, one of the rhythms that we need to have in our life is we need to be able to stop and we need to be able to rest. You remember when God created the earth? He created it in how many days? Six. And then on the seventh, he did what? He rested. He stopped and he rested. And in Exodus 28 through 11, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male and female servant, nor your animals, or any foreign, uh, res- foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Church, we need to have a day of rest. We need to have a day where we stop. We need to have a day where we just commune with God. You know, they did studies, and this was in a, an old Russian study that they did, and they decided to see how they could get the most productivity out of their people. And so they did a different, sort of different combinations. They did like, okay, two days on, one day off. They did three days on, two days off. Um, they just, any combination they could think of, they did. And what they found is the best way to get the best work out of their people is for them to do six days of work and to rest one day. Well, God already knew that answer, so I don't know why they didn't go there first. Because that's what he prescribed for us. But what happens is we get so busy in life that we never stop and we never rest. Listen, the Lord knew that your body needs rest. The Lord knows that you need to stop for moments in time and just rest. Every night you need a certain certain amount of hours of sleep. You need it. Your body needs to regenerate in some way. And God knew that, and that's what God prescribed. And so I would say one of your rhythms in life needs to make sure you stop and you rest. And I would say hopefully that can be the Sabbath day for you. Secondly is this. One of the rhythms I believe, and I believe Scripture tells us, is that you should be reading the Bible. Um, Romans 15, 4 says this. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. You see, in our world that can be so depressing and so negative at times, we read the Word of God and understand that people were still making mistakes here, but they still found their hope in God. They still found their hope in Jesus Christ. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to be able to read His Word. And listen, when you begin to read His Word, what I love is this. When I'm up here doing a message, if you're close enough to reading God's Word, there are certain things that I'll say and you say, oh, that reminds me of a... Another passage I read. I don't know how many times people will say to me, Pastor Chuck, I was just reading that in my devotions. 
this week. You see, it's important that we read the Word. This is what God has revealed to us about Himself. If you want to know who God is, then read His Word. Thirdly is this, is communicate with God, and that's through prayer. And I already shared sort of this verse from my own life, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you and Jesus Christ. Communication with God is just that time we spend, God, here's what I want you to know is happening in my life. And in that amount, I think there needs to be a time that you, you rejoice about something, you give thanks for something, but you tell him what's going on. You can tell him the deepest, darkest things you want, and he can enjoy that. I'll tell you, being able to pray and, and to rejoice on circumstances is amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. And I have to tell you, there are times when I love when just things happen to me and no one else is around, and I'm like, God, you got a big laugh out of that today, didn't you? You know? I, I remember I, I, I walked in the gym one day, and um, I have to tell you, I saw a ball there, and it was when we had to wear suits, and I had on my dress shoes, and if you see a ball, you just got to kick it, you know? And uh, it had rained outside a little bit. I didn't think anything about it, but I went to kick that ball, and man, when I went to kick, I missed the ball, and I fell straight on my butt. And it hurt so bad, and I looked up, and I was like, that's pretty funny, Lord, huh? You know? Like, it was just great to sort of have that communication with them, to know that we're the only one that saw this. You know, that's pretty cool. But to have that communication with God in order to say, you know what, Lord, this is what's on my heart today. This is what I'm praying for. Praying without ceasing means seeing things like, if I see an accident or if I see an ambulance, I say quick prayer. Lord, I don't know what's going on in that situation, but I, I pray that you would intervene. I pray that they would sense your love and fill you in their life. It's going when, when, you know, even when I'm in the hospital and I see other people going through stuff, it's praying for them. It's when somebody comes up to me and says something and says, I, I, you know, this morning somebody asked me to pray for a, for a person named Tom. And Tom has cancer. And immediately after I left that situation, I said, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know what the extent of the cancer is. I don't know who Tom is. But I pray that you would touch his body. But it's doing those things on all occasions. When I come into circumstances in life where I don't know how to direct things, Lord, give me wisdom today. It's about finding things that the Lord rejoices. Lord, wasn't that great? Wasn't that great the way that we fed the people in Marion? Lord, thank you for giving us that opportunity. You know, it's about rejoicing in all those things. And so in your daily rhythms, I hope that you will take time to just stop from whatever your normal routine is and to say, God, you know, I need you in this as well. So Daniel's daily rhythm, what we find was attacked. So in verses 6 through 9, it says this. So, um, and, and we already read this, and we're getting a little bit short on time, so I just want to mention what happened. But basically, um, they, they wanted to attack sort of his rhythm. And they said, instead of praying to your God, you need to bow down to King Darius, and you need to say, he lives forever, and you need to bow down to his statues and all these things. And that was against his normal rhythm or routine. And Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because this is what was happening. They were asking him to put King Darius first above God. And what Daniel said is, nothing will go above God for me. God will always be first place for me. And so they were trying to attack his sort of normal rhythm or his normal flow. The question is, what attacks your daily rhythm? What do you put first? See, Exodus 20, 1 through 6 says this, 
And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven, above, on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall, bow, you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents of the third or fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. God tells us right away, before, as he's given the Ten Commandments, I'm a jealous God. I want your love and attention. I want you to put me first before anything else. And church, don't we struggle to put him first? Don't we struggle to give him the time that he needs? You know, I think about my own life. And I'm just going to be real and honest with you. But there are things at times that I put before God. There are things that I put before the Sabbath. There are things that I put before rest. I want to see my kids do well in sports, so I make sure that they're in sports. But sometimes that can take precedence for God. There are things that I do with my family, and sometimes my family can take the precedence of God. There are things that I do at work, where I work and work and I work, that they mess with my relationship with God. And what we have to understand is that you and I, I don't know what those attacks are. I don't know what those distractions are. I do know this, though. When they break up your flow or your rhythm, it provides a certain amount of pressure. You see, the only thing that God asks us to put first is himself. And so we need to find ways to put God first. And the, the, the last part of this passage we're getting into is this. And this is what I love. Daniel was convicted of being faithful to God. So if you look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, I love this. Because it says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they weren't able to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, listen to this, we shall never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They knew that the only way to attack Daniel, it had to do something with his God. Church, I have to tell you, I think that is such a rich thing. For somebody to be known for loving God so much, that the only thing that they can attack is that. They knew that Daniel, above everything else, would always put God first. Church, what would that look like in our own lives? If before anything else, we said that God is first. When people ask us to do something that comes in conflict with maybe what I do with God, I say, you know what? I'm sorry. Can we do it another time? Because I always set this aside a time for God. You know, there are things that I remember in my household growing up. Um, my mom had a prayer list. And every morning my mom would pray. And every time the church doors were open, man, we were there. We went to every service. And if there was a two-week revival, <laughs> we were at that as well, and we were there for the whole thing. But my mom wanted us to know above everything else that God was first. You told my mom a prayer request, you could go up in her room and you could see your name on her prayer request, and that's what she would go down through, praying. But as a child, 
I saw her conviction and her love for God. And I thought, if my mom loves God that much, then that God has got to be real. And he has got to be powerful. And I found who God was real for myself. You see, there was enough evidence to convict Daniel of being a believer. They knew that he would not bow down to anything else and that he would make sure that he spent his time in prayer. And that was the thing he put first. My question is this. If you were put on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian? Could people look at your life? Could they look at the way you conduct yourself? Could they look and they say, I know above everything else that Chuck is a believer. I know that he puts God first. I know that he spends time in prayer. I know that he reads the Bible. Church, listen. When I was growing up, I knew certain individuals in the church that I could go to and ask them to pray for something, and they would pray for it. And my question is, do you and I know those people today who we could go to and we could say, without a doubt, they're going to pray for me? See, there were certain people that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that there's enough evidence to convict them of being a Christian. And I would love to be like Daniel, where people would say, you know what? The only thing that we can attack on Pastor Chuck, the only thing that we can attack on the individuals in this church is if we mess with their God. And then even at the end of the day, we said, you can attack me all you want, but at the end of the day, I'm going to put God first in my life. Would you stand with me this morning, church? And let's pray together. Father, I pray that through the reading and understanding of Daniel that maybe today some of us will be challenged to say, okay, we're going to develop a daily rhythm in our life to make sure that God is, is first in it. Like that's the thing we're going to carve out. Where we're going to say there is going to be enough evidence that I'm a Christian because before I think of anything else, I'm going to find and make sure that there is time with God each and every day. And I pray that we would find that daily rhythm or routine or flow in our life. And Father, I pray that as the enemy begins to attack those different things, that we can continue to come back and say, no, 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 no. This time, set aside for God. And that's what we're going to do. And I pray at the end of the day, Lord, that other people would say, wow, I know that those people, I know that those people sit in that church service. I know that they are believers. I know that there's enough evidence to convict them of being a Christian because I can see it in their life. I can see it in the way that they love. I can see it in the way that they respond. I can see it in the way that they pray. I can see it in their faith. I can see it in their devotion. I can see it in their daily living. And so, Father, may we all become more like you in all that we do so that we can show a world what it means to be a follower of Jesus and that it makes a difference. Be with us now as we leave this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, thanks again for being here and hopefully we'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.